WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to Impact Exposure. Exposure is 88.9 The Impact's one-hour forum discussing relevant issues affecting the MSU community. And now, tonight's Exposure. All right, this is Impact Exposure. I want to thank you for joining us. Uh, my name is Wes. It's good to be back. We've been off for a good month on account of the break and everything, uh, so it's glad, I'm glad to have you with us once more. Uh, a little bit we'll be speaking with uh, Amanda from uh, Spartan Edge, uh, one of uh, MSU's best publications, as well as the uh, representative from the uh, Greater Lansing Women's Center, and then we're going to wrap it up with uh, Peter from Scene Metrospace talking about an exhibit that they've got coming up. But before we get to any of that, we're sitting down with uh, Jason and Allison here from the, uh, School, of, uh, the School of Hospitality Business to talk about... Uh, Vegas night. Go ahead and uh, say hello to everybody. Hey. Hello. <laughs> it's good to have you with us. So go ahead and tell us what uh, Vegas night is all about. All right. On Saturday, January 26th, we'll be holding Vegas night 2008 um, from 6 p.m. to 1 a.m. And it will be in the second floor of the Union. And in that Vegas night, we're going to have a casino, which will feature blackjack, roulette, craps, and money wheel. Um, this is a fee-associated event for adults 18 and over. With valid photo ID. Excellent. So now you've got all the regular casino games going on. Yes. Uh, what What would you say is the, is the reason for the whole Vegas night? The whole reason is to help um, students in the School of Hospitality business, um, I guess, learn more about the casino industry. It's a growing industry now. And learn more about running the games and the different behind-the-scenes things that go on during a casino event. So... That's correct. Also, um, in, uh, in concurrently with the Oakland Casino, we're going to be running a Texas Hold'em poker tournament, hmm. um, which also has fees associated. Um, this is also going to be in the union. Um, for questions regarding fees, registration, and things like that, you can email vegasnight08 at gmail.com. Um, and some of the other things we do with uh, the money that we earn um, from the event as well as you know learning for the students. We also uh, use, use it for our self-sufficiency fund. Um, to be able to travel to places and the industries to learn more behind the scenes and specifically with the industry leaders. Cool. Now, does this, does this build up to like a big trip to, you know, say Vegas or somewhere else? Yeah, that... hopefully that's that's the ultimate goal. Oh, wow. So, okay. Yes. Is there like a big hospitality business, you know, convention that you guys are saving up towards or what's the, what's uh, the no, big it's, idea? It's kind of specific towards each, each event um, hmm. under the Hospitality Association. Um, so for us, it would be to go to Vegas, um, whereas somebody doing things in the restaurant field would be wanting to go to a, a big-named restaurant, things oh, like okay. that. Cool. So now, you know, obviously you're, you're hosting the Vegas night. Is, is is the casino element something that t- the hospitality business school teaches? Or, I mean, because I, I was thinking of, like, you know, hotels and restaurants. But sure. is that, I mean, is that a part of it as well? Yes, absolutely. Uh, casinos is an up-and-coming bigger portion of the hospitality industry. Obviously, the main two are going to be restaurants. Um, and hotels, mm. as well as you know, travel agencies, things of that nature. Um, but casinos is definitely an up-and-coming thing that's spreading out not only from Las Vegas, but to other business schools that teach in the hospitality field. Hmm. So now, why do you think that 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 growth is starting now? Why? What, where is where is that coming from? Um, I think because now you see that casinos casinos themselves are spreading out of Las Vegas into even Detroit and, mm. and places of that nature. Um, so it's becoming a, a wider market as opposed to just a centrally located market. Um, even places like Macau that are up and coming that are looking for international workers and things like that. Um, so it's just a growing field that mm. is, is a multi-billion dollar industry per year. And I'm sure having you know, the casinos like in the hotels you know, Absolutely. makes a big difference for you guys too. Sure. Cool. So now what, what are your specific roles with the Vegas night? Um, I'm the director for the, this year, and the reason I was so drawn toward this, towards this event was it was a newer event um, through the School of Hospitality Business, 
and I'm more interested in the event planning industry of hospitality business, so I saw it as not only to put on a casino event, but just an event in general. So that's what drew, drew me to it, and so, um, yeah. And I'm the director of finance uh, mm-hmm. this year for Vegas Night. Um, I do hope to work in the casino industry, um, initially, initially in a sales and marketing aspect, and hopefully eventually up into the higher executive type roles. So what, what res- you know, respective to each of your interests, what sort of draws you to that? You mentioned event planning, and you mentioned the casino sales marketing element. What, Correct. What is it about, what, it, what appeals to you about those? Uh, well, for me, it's because the casino industry to me is an industry that will never falter, even in a recession. I mean, mm-hmm. people um, are always gambling, <laughs> <you know? laughs> whether, oh, yeah. whether or not they're, <laughs> they're not spending money on gasoline, they're out there gambling. Um, so I feel like it's an industry that's going to be safe, plus it's exciting. You're always uh, interacting with different people from all, all sorts of cultures, which is something that's big for me. Um, so, I, again, that's why I like the sales and marketing aspect, because I just mm-hmm. get to interact with the people directly. Cool. So. Um, with event planning, I just like putting on events and I like being around all the people and being able to enjoy with them their whatever they're celebrating. If it's just a birthday or something like a wedding, I think it just is so cool to be part of that and help them from step one where they don't really have anything planned out to watching it all unfold in front of you. So I think that's really cool because you kind of own it and get to watch it um, grow in front of you and be this huge event. So. Very cool. Yeah, I actually have a little tiny, tiny bit of event planning, uh, you know, experience myself, and you're, it's always different every every day. You can't you know predict who you're going to be working with or what's going to happen. It's, right. it's pretty exciting. Um, w- would you guys say that you've you've learned something about the, you know your your interests uh, with through this event, or is this just kind of like oh, it's just like everything else I've been doing? Oh, I've learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> what what um, would you say you've learned from this? Well, so far, <laughs> as far I mean, just the little things that, from working with a team we have. Um, eight people or nine people on our e-board so just working with the team as a whole that's something you'll learn and need for any profession you go into but then also with event planning things change Um, venues change all of a sudden something's not available and so just thinking on your feet being ready to adapt for change and not getting stressed out and not getting scared that it's the end of the world like just changing it fixing it and moving on Hmm, very cool Absolutely. Um, I de- definitely agree with everything Allison said, being adaptable and being able to change to what people need and if venues change and things like this, um, anything could come up. And also from the financial aspect, um, for me, it's being able to plan and, and hopefully make a profit. <laughs> um, <laughs> and if not, then be able to recover from that um, by doing different budgeting and hopefully doing different types of marketing to bring in different sorts of income, different sources of income. Excellent. So, so now, are you, what what uh, what level of school are you guys in? Um, junior. I'm a junior. Both juniors. Okay. So now, when when you're all wrapped up with school, do you plan on sticking around Michigan? You know, in the casinos in Detroit, or do you want to <laughs> do you want to move on elsewhere? Or what are you guys thinking? Uh, I'm hoping to go somewhere warm or yeah. <laughs> international. If I can't, if I if I don't get into Vegas, I'd really like to go to Macau. Oh wow. So, so now, why, why Macau of all places in the world? Uh, well, because it's like the up-and-coming place. Um, oh. That's where all the new big resorts and casinos are going. It's going to be the Vegas of the world. Hmm. Um, so, Monaco was so last year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but it's, it's definitely up-and-coming. There's a lot of opportunity there to grow with the company, with a new resort casino hmm. that's coming. You can go from the ground out there. So Nice. It's very nice. Um, I don't really have plans of where I want to be, um, pretty much wherever I can find a job that I'm satisfied <laughs> with and enjoy what I'm doing. But, I mean, I would like to be somewhere warmer, especially since it snowed this day. <laughs> but, yeah. um, I mean, I guess I'll just see where I end up and 
I'm pretty flexible, I think. Yeah. So I'm sure wherever you're at, it's always a different challenge depending right. on you know right. what it is you're doing. So that's for sure. So now you know, getting back to getting back to the event here, you mentioned you've got casino, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the casino, the, the blackjack roulette table. Um, now, are you guys you know hands on? Are you spinning the ball around the, the roulette wheel? I mean, what's what are your roles like night of? Uh, well, the night of, I'll be handling the cash room. Um, but we do have student volunteers um, that we're always looking for and need. Um, <laughs> again, that's VegasNight08 at gmail.com. Nice. Subtle. Uh, <laughs> uh, but we have the students that volunteer. They, they get down. We train them to deal the games. Um, so they'll, they'll, they'll be dealing blackjack, poker, spinning the wheel, and everything like that. Um, and then I'll let Allison explain what she does as a director. Um, my <laughs> Boston people around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but um, I like to be able to, because I was assistant director last year, mm. so it's kind of the same thing. Um, I was able to walk around and just oversee everything, and when there was a problem, I got called to it. But um, it's really cool to be able to interact with people who come, especially when our faculty come. It's really sweet to see them there supporting us. And so just be able to interact with everyone, see them enjoying themselves, um, my favorite was the money wheel. I get really excited, you know, <laughs> cheer on the money wheel. It's pretty, it's pretty much like the easiest thing to do there. You know, you don't really need to know how to play anything. You can just put down, you can just place your bets and stuff. So sure. I really get into that, and I, but I like to walk around as well. So, so you like the money wheel because it's the easiest one, yeah. or because you get like, or any, like, do people get crazy about it? Or what's the, what's well, the big appeal? I guess it depends on the um, crowd, but. Sure. Some people are really enthusiastic, and uh, last year we had beads donated to us, so we were able to pass out beads. And, oh, nice. And so we started, some people would come up and not have their chips, so we're like, oh, you can place your bet with your ch- beads, because it was the <laughs> money we all, you know. And so getting them just really excited and, you know, more involved in our event, which is just key, getting them interested, excited, you know, maybe learn a little bit about the hospitality business school or and stuff. So sure, I'm sure it's a great way to advertise. You mentioned marketing. I'm sure this gets uh, gets the word out about the, the hospitality business school. Excuse me. Absolutely. Now, um, is this a, a formal event? People, I imagine I need to come like dressed like the Rat Pack. Is that? Uh, <laughs> am I am I am I shooting too high? No, um, you can you can come as you are. Okay. Um, for for anybody attending the event, they can you know wear wear whatever you want to wear. Nice. Um, we're not we're not going to discriminate against anybody's clothes. So. <laughs> no fashion Shirts places. And no. Shoes, please. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, it's a strict requirement. <laughs> Now, Allison, you said you were involved with this last year as well. Yes. Is this your second year then? Yes, this okay. is my second year. So, what what have you guys uh, been? You know, cha- have you changed anything up this year? Or what's what can people expect if they went to last year's? Um, we're hoping that everyone enjoys as much as they did last year. We had a great turnout. Um, it was one of our first years doing a full casino last year, so it was great to see the turnout and see people excited about it. So this year, we're hoping for the same enthusiasm and same excitement, and there should be a reason why it wouldn't be like that from last year where they have volunteers and say a lot of people are going to be coming back and being dealers and Mm. everything um we did change the venue to the union um so we're trying that out it's more central on campus um there's the parking structure so that's a plus we're hoping you know and um we also had to change the date because of martin luther king weekend we didn't want to lose um people from going home because it's a long weekend we were afraid People either go home or visit friends at other campuses. So we changed the date from last year, um, but hopefully that shouldn't affect it 
More, as, more, more unexpected right. stuff for, for an event planner, I right. guess. <laughs> Gabby, on your toes. <laughs> now, can people expect the same games that they that they saw last year? I mean, yeah. all, all the old favorites? Yes, be, it's the exact same games as last year. Very so. cool. Plus, we're, uh, last year we didn't have cash tables for Texas Hold'em. This year we're going to have cash tables also for poker. Nice. So now, is there do people have to like register ahead of time for the, for the poker tournament? For the tournament, tournament yes. It'll, it'll, okay. You'll have to register in advance. Um, and again, for any questions, you can email us at vegasnight08 at gmail.com. Um, and the cash tables will just be available um, with the open casino. Nice. Okay. And then that. And now, what I have down is that that starts a little bit earlier. That's five thirty. That's correct. Okay. Yes. Cool. Cool. So, now, have you gotten? Have you taken a look at the numbers for the pre-registration? Do you know if there's a? You know, what, what, what kind of numbers you're looking at for people uh, we, showing up? I haven't looked at the numbers okay. yet. Okay. <laughs> we have we have a hundred percent limit, and last year we were well above it. So oh wow. This year, we're hoping for the same turnout, and that's partly why we have the cash tables, because of the turnout last year, we had to turn people away, and um, unfortunately, we you know we didn't want to do that, and so we're trying to adapt by allowing people who don't get into the tournament or maybe don't want to pre-register, they can go to the open casino and play in the cash games. Yeah, definitely some, definitely some good opportunities if they don't make it into the pre-registration. And we're also, uh, I believe for the first hour this year, we're going to do alternates also. Oh. Um, so if we get over the 100-person mark, um, then for the first hour you can sign, as, sign in as an alternate, um, and as people are eliminated, you'll be able to play. Nice. Now, uh, were you guys witness to any, any big winnings from the last year? Or? Uh, yeah, I think last year first place took nine, 950, and then we also did a poker tournament in October. Um, and I believe first place was six, around 600. Wow. I don't remember the numbers exactly. So definitely an, opp- an opportunity to yeah, win some big funds. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. So uh, just to kind of wrap up, what, what is it you guys are, are looking forward to most personally about, about Casino Night? What, you know, what really gets you going? Uh, well, it? for me, it's the, the impact on the, on, the, on the people on campus. It's nice to see people come together and see uh, something in the hospitality business, the hospitality association. Um, to see how we how we are on campus as mm-hmm. an as as a school, um, it's important that they see that we're interacting with the university, um, and not only through Vegas Night but through the other events offered through the Hospitality Association. Cool. That's the biggest for me. Yeah. What about you, Allison? Um, I agree with Jason. Also, I'm looking forward to just having you know everyone from campus be able to come together and um, I guess just see another successful event and. I think our e-board really bonds well, and especially has bonded well since the past year. And so the night, you know, we kind of you just really get along, and everyone's everything just runs so smoothly, and you get really excited. So that's what I'm looking forward to, I guess. So. So how do you guys feel? You're ready for it, or you still got? You're kind of like, oh, I still got so much more to do. A lot, a lot of energy. <laughs> that's, good. that's a good way to put it. I like that. And keeping on my toes. <laughs> Very cool. Let's see uh, the School of Hospitality Business Vegas Night uh, coming up on Saturday, January 26th, from uh, 6 p.m. to going on to 1 a.m. Uh, over at the MSU Union Building on the second floor in the Parlor and Gold Rooms. And of course, you must be 18 and over to attend. Registering online at bus.msu.edu. And uh, any information on this or, or the uh, the poker tournament, everything else, VegasNight08 at gmail.com. Um, uh, again, guys, thanks so much for uh, for coming by. Thank, Thank you. All right, and we're going to take a short break, and we'll be back with more Impact Exposure in just a minute. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. At the football game, Jim shows the telltale signs of being wasted. He starts flexing for the camera. He refers to his muscles as gunboats. He screams, how's this for a halftime show? Jim streaks the field. 
It's easy to tell if you've had way too many to drive, but what if you've had just one too many to drive? Never underestimate just a few. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, the Ad Council, and this station. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Sunday nights, check out Sit or Spin from 8 to 10 p.m., where you can voice your opinion on what new music we play here on The Impact. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. All right, we are back with more exposure. Uh, we were just speaking with Jason and Allison from the School of Hospitality Business, talking about Vegas night coming up on Saturday, January 20, 26th. Excuse me. If you missed any of that uh, interview, there's uh, more information available online at bus.msu.edu. And, of course, all of our uh, episodes are podcast at uh, impact89fm.org. You just go ahead and click on the uh, podcast link, and then over, over to Exposure, and you can find out everything that you may have missed. Uh, switching gears now, we're uh, talking with Amanda Paterka from uh, SpartanEdge.com. Thanks for, for uh, coming by. No problem. So now go ahead and uh, give people an idea. What is Spartan Edge? Well, Spartan Edge was started about two years ago. It launched in the spring of 2006, and it basically started as an experiment by Bonnie Buckaroo in the School of Journalism to see where the internet can take us, kind of. And, I mean, since then, she's kind of stepped away and left it up to the students, and I guess we focus a lot on multimedia and getting in a lot of videos and photos, but, I mean, we're also focused on the good writing of the stories, too. And, I mean, since then, we've branched out. We have a couple of regular features, and we have a series of blogs that are updated often and recently. So, cool. so yeah, so it's sort of a, a new digital approach to, to journalism. Kind right? of, yeah. Nice. So now, and, and what's your role within it? Um, I'm the managing editor. Okay, so what what exactly does that mean? Basically, I run the meetings, um, I get all the stories, and I'm, I'm the first person the stories go to, and then before they go off to our editor-in-chief, who's who actually puts them on the website, which I will hopefully be learning later this semester. <laughs> so so. You're the head cheese then, <laughs> in all the glory and the responsibility. Mm-hmm. So now, wh- uh, what exactly, I mean, we've got, you know, state news, Red Cedar Log, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of places people mm-hmm. can get, you know, inf- info on campus. What what sort of sets Spartan Edge apart? Well, I mean, in terms of websites, the other one is the Big Green. Mm-hmm. And I know how we're different from them is, I think, our multimedia, our videos, and our audio. When we send people out for a story, we send them out to get the the accompanying stuff with it too and i mean if you go to our home page there's just you you know our videos are kind of splattered all sure. over the place and also our blogs too which and i i mean in terms of what we cover too we try to spar an edge we try to get the more edgier stuff like we will cover some protests or you know maybe things that aren't covered elsewhere like in the state news or maybe more controversial issues kind of yeah that's okay. kind of what we like to focus on now, why why that? Why the attention to that versus you know anything else? Well, I guess just because you don't really see that anywhere else. Maybe any other publication. Well, I mean, controversial issues are covered all the time, sure. but I mean, we're always looking for new stories, like kind of maybe the underground stuff. Maybe that's not covered elsewhere. I know one of my favorite stories I did was on foreign professors who have difficulty speaking English and mm. how. Sometimes it's difficult for students to understand what they're learning because of that language barrier. So, so now, what did you find when you were when you were researching this article? I found that um, it's mostly in the math and science department, but mm. it's because we America isn't really supplying 
teachers in those areas and that there are programs in place to help uh, TAs especially mm. with English and that a lot of times it's kind of the students, <laughs> you know, looking for a scapegoat actually. Yeah. So. so sort of we're sort of outsourcing in reverse when it comes yeah, to getting, yeah. getting faculty for that. It's interesting. Um, now, you, you also run the, the Green Blog, is that right? Yeah. So now, what, what is the Green Blog? Um, it's basically my way to talk about the environment and send okay. them to listen. Are you, are you part of the environmental journalism track then? In, yeah, in school yeah. journalism? Yeah. Very cool. Okay. So what, what sort of things do you focus on with the Green Blog? Um, basically anything and everything. I'll just go out and look for articles on the environment, go to my favorite environment websites, you know, and mm-hmm. kind of comment on what I see that's going around. And also campus issues, like, at, I guess... This year, there was started that kind of new campus recycling program. So. Yeah, I've seen. I think they tried that in the dorm. There's a pilot dorm program. They're, yeah, Is that part trying of that? in the dorms. They're not. I don't think it's in all the dorms mm. yet. But I know, especially this year, I noticed a lot more recycle bins actually out on campus to for like tailgating and sure like that. So now, uh, so it's is it, it's not just MSU. You also no, no, just yeah. blogging on anything that affects the world. Huh? Yep. <laughs> pretty pretty broad subject. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, have you have you noticed any sort of trends among? You know, environmental reporting. That since you've been doing that, uh, you know, with either with reporting itself or, you know, with the environment. Well, environmental reporting has definitely, I think, been getting more of a gain more in popularity since the whole Al Gore thing. Sure. And, you know, <laughs> the all of a sudden global warming is such a big issue. So I've definitely noticed, kind of, it's risen in popularity, but there's still a long way to go. So yeah. just the Green Blog is kind of my own way to do my part and. Helping the environment. So now, uh, global warming uh, happening or not? <laughs> yes, happening. <laughs> yeah, I think with 99% of scientists saying so. I, I think that's yeah. I just had to ask. Of course, mm-hmm. I'm a journalism student as well. We always mm-hmm. talk about in class. That's one of the examples mm-hmm. of you know how do you deal with that objectively? Now, do you do you find that as an issue when you report on things you know environmentally speaking that that you have to provide this this other side on global warming or do you just disregard that and report it as fact? Well, I mean, you always like to report it as fact, but the thing with the blog is that. I mean, it is. It isn't really objective. Like a blog is really. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, I suppose your 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 guidelines are a little. Yeah, a little more, a little more relaxed. Yeah, for exactly. Blogs. Relaxed, so it, I think yeah. that's kind of like why I like to do it. I mean, I also do sh- you know strict kind of journalism with the environment too. But mm-hmm. yes, yeah, like I said, it's just my own kind of little thing to do. So now it. doing both uh, the green blog and, uh, and and Spartan Edge, combining the technology and environment, what what do you have you been able to do that? Have you been able to combine sort of these new web technologies of, of video and flash and things like that with your environmental reporting? Um, well, we actually did have a green issue this past semester oh. for Spiron Edge where we covered a lot of, um, I think there was something on green building. There, I can't remember the actual article, but I know for that one, um, I did something on the city's plans to um, for Cedar Village, kind of the new development plans, and how they're maybe like looking into green options for that. But hmm. so now, what what sort of ways did you combine them then when oh, you were reporting on that? Um, I know there were like like I said, the videos were a thing. Um, we we still have videos covering like the green like the green building one. I think hmm. was accompanied by a video. So. Okay. So now, as far as uh, Spartan Edge goes, you know, obviously you mentioned that the, sort of the the reason for for its existence is is to promote these new web technologies when it comes to journalism. What is the importance of of these you know of of trying out new technologies? I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I, I see I see plenty of other newspapers websites that you just you know you just read the articles like mm-hmm. you would in the paper. What's the what's the big deal? Um, well, I think it makes it a more interactive experience for reading it and the fact that 
it's understandable that not all people read actually to get their news and mm. that they look for other outlets and i think the internet's a good way to combine combine both the visual and the you know you still got the traditional articles written too but it's a way a good way to combine that all and what's sort of the the i mean i think the big green they do what monthly or so monthly, that, yeah. now do you what's your guys's turnover rate is it weekly or weekly yeah okay now do you find any additional pressures turning it over every week as opposed to every month well um this has been my first semester as managing editor so our first my kind of my first issue as managing editor will be out tomorrow oh so it has been <laughs> more pressure definitely. what have you what have you found that's that's like the most pressure from what what gives you the most pressure i should say i guess just the fact that all the stories come to me, and I didn't. It, it, I can see how it's going to consume me, but I'm okay sure. with that because it's something I believe in. So. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Now, uh, what kind of? I mean, where do you see you know this sort of technology? What, okay, let me rephrase that. Where do you see technology like this in in journalism in the future? I guess kind of more of like what we're doing with this kind of convergence between the different types of multimedia, and I know it's been been it's being done a lot and a lot of in a lot of different places, and I definitely see more of that happening. Do you think newspapers, I mean, as a physical reporting, as I think they're on their way out? I like newspapers. You so do? Okay. I, I hope they stay now, around, Do you have a too. subscription to papers, or do you, I mean, do you usually grab, a, a, like, the state news in its physical form? Or Well, um, I'm more of a magazine person, oh. but um, yeah, I have a subscription to Newsweek, but, um, I mean, I'll pick up the paper occasionally, and but I think it's still, I mean, I can't imagine, like, a New York subway and rush hour without people <laughs> holding their papers. Sure, and, sure. So do you think the you think the physical form of reporting will still still have a role? Definitely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, is it you, you see it as more of a like sharing, or we'll put this in the pay, in the actual physical form, we'll put this online. I think more of sharing, and I think that you're seeing that a lot with newspapers. It's just the print form is being put online, but I mean, I think it's still maybe almost romantic in a way, kind of to still have the paper form along sure. with the internet form. <laughs> so. Now, so when you're all when you're all done, I mean, I was looking ahead to the future a bit. When you're all done with school. Where where do you want to end up? You know, having this experience. Um, well, I definitely want to end up in a magazine, and but I think simply because there's so much convergence these days, that having this experience with the video and with you know with getting things online and blogging will definitely be an asset to me wherever I end up. Nice, so. and and I you know some of the classes that that I've had, I'm sure you've had this as well. They talk about sort of the the mojo journalist, the mobile journalist, where you mm -hmm. you know it's, rather than just going out there with your pad and paper, you've got to get yeah, your yeah. your video camera and your mm -hmm. audio recorder and your digital you know camera and everything. Have you have, have you had that experience working with Spartan Edge? We definitely encourage that. I mean, we have a bunch of cameras to lend out, and we mm. have video workshops, so we make sure our writers that they can work a camera too. You know, so. Sure. Get, now, pretty much get all of it. <laughs> <laughs> now, has that, has that been your experience that there's sort of uh, sort of a, a talent gap? I don't know if that's the right word to put it, but uh, where you know this this guy is is a really great writer, but he doesn't know the first thing about how to shoot video. I mean, is there do you have to kind of overcome that, or or or, or is it that younger people are coming into this site and they're just kind of natively good at it? I think it's a combination of both. There's mm -hmm. definitely a gap, you know, because it is new technology, but. Yeah, at the same time that people are used to the Internet and they're used to seeing videos. So I think they're more accepting of it and therefore more eager to learn hmm. to learn the technology. So now where do you, do you tend to play to people's strengths then? Or? Yeah. Okay. yeah, definitely. So you've got more people who are like, if you're a great writer, you're going to be on the blog. If you're a good yeah. video guy, yeah. you're going to go out and shoot the video. Yep. And I noticed today you had... Uh, I believe it was, you know, you're, with with the Michigan primary today, you had some folks out there, you know, just capturing, mm -hmm. you know, opinions and everything like that. Is that a, a pretty common thing for the site? For well, we do we do po political stories, and the primaries are definitely 
one thing we've been trying to cover and uh, so and, and, we hopefully have people out with cameras, you know, right. as, at as many events as we can. Well, I just mean you had like some, some like, it, was, it wasn't really men on the street. There were like two girls like in, the, you know, sitting down, just like, you know, listening to the coverage coming in, like uh-huh. talking to them. I mean, is that something that you guys tend to do a lot of where it's just, let's just capture it right now and put it up or? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we try to be, stay on top of everything as possible. And as soon as things happen, you know, we try and get in the issue because you wait a while, especially with online, you know, the old news after sure. a while. Sure, sure. Yeah. So what are some of the uh, what are some of the things that you're working on right now that people can I mean obviously you said you know you got a new issue coming out tomorrow. Actually we have a new design to our website starting Ooh, tomorrow. A whole so. Facebook and everything. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and we have a new slogan yet to be unveiled. Ooh. So Man, a whole bunch of changes yep. for Spartan Edge. <laughs> yep. All coming out tomorrow. So can you give us a sneak preview of what people can expect or they'll just have to go to the website? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, you gotta you gotta tease us, huh? Mm-hmm. Wow. So now what uh, what do you see is happening with Spartan Edge for the rest of the, the semester then? Um, well, we're definitely looking to up our content, and I mean, there's been a change in staff members too. Actually, like starting the semester, juggling people around, and again trying to find people's strengths. And mm-hmm. I guess our main thing is just to give people experience with, you know, writing and video editing, and and that's pretty much what we're looking to do. So now I'm sure there's kind of a juggling act then between, uh, you know, do you do you put more emphasis on teaching your, you know, student reporters on how to report or do you, you know, focus more on, on the end product, you know, like, you know, getting mm-hmm. it together for, for readers. Where do you, well, well, where do you think, think more emphasis lies? Well, I think you need to teach the reporters in order to have a good hmm. end product. I mean, that's just the way it goes, you sure. know, and I think it is definitely good for students to learn. I mean, that's where I started out actually writing. It was my very first writing Hmm. Um, for any publication was with Spartan Edge. So. so now if folks are interested in getting involved in this, what would you recommend to them? I just say go to the website and check us out, especially tomorrow when we have our new design out. So. <laughs> it's a good opportunity as any, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then and do they have to be you know, journalism students to get involved? No, we take, if you're, if you're willing to write and you want to do video, I mean, yeah, we'll take you. Very cool. Well, it's uh, SpartanEdge.com, uh, E-D-G-E, of course, SpartanEdge.com. Uh, Amanda Paterka has been our guest. Uh, again, managing editor? Am managing I getting editor, that? yes. All right, very cool. She's been our guest talking about uh, Spartan Edge. New new look, new issue, new slogan, new everything mm-hmm. starting tomorrow. Pretty exciting stuff. Uh, be sure to check that out. Uh, more uh, impact exposure on the way in just a moment. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be back in just a little bit. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. For some high school students, school can be a dangerous place. All the gamers look at you as a gang member, too. For some, just being in school can be a struggle. I wouldn't go to school. I didn't care about what my mom said. My mom would tell me, like, what are you doing for yourself? You're not doing nothing. But despite all the obstacles, inside every high school student is a graduate. People look down on you if you don't have a diploma. I want to graduate because they say I won't. Go to BoostUp.org and find out how you can help a friend, a son, a daughter finish high school. BoostUp.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, The Impact's Progressive Torch and Twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. 
All right, we are back with more Impact Exposure. We were just speaking with Amanda Paterka from SpartanEdge.com, a whole new site being launched out tomorrow with all new content, all new layout. Very exciting stuff for those of us that uh, want to keep up on MSU events. Uh, switching gears now, we're talking with uh, Maria from the uh, Greater Lansing Women's Center. Thanks so much for coming by. Thanks. All right, so now you've got uh, not not one but three <laughs> big events coming up for the, uh, the Women's Center. Why don't you go ahead and give us an idea about what's coming up? Okay. Um, well, I am working on uh, a couple of different shows right now. One is called Words of Hope and Healing. We got a grant from the Lansing Area Community Trust Fund to do a show in April in conjunction with Take Back the Night. And we've decided on a couple of dates, the 3rd and 4th of April. Um, the 3rd of April will be in a location in East Lansing, and the 4th will be in Lansing, hmm. probably in Old Town. Um Right now, what we're doing is a call for submissions for this particular show. It's something that hasn't been done before, um, and we're looking for submissions from survivors, men and women survivors of domestic and sexual violence. Hmm. Um, now, what sort of submissions do you mean? Poetry, prose, dance, skits, music, art. Just anything that'll tell a story, basically. Yes. Cool. Anything that'll tell a story of hope and healing. That's, okay, there you that's go. the theme. Yeah. So it's in conjunction with Take Back the Night, which is scheduled for April 8th. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So now you've got, you mean, this is going to be a, like a full day show, it sounds like, with you know all the different themes that you've got going on. Well, I hope not. Hopefully. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I hope um, it'll, it'll be a production similar to any other play, just an hour and a half or so. Oh, okay. Um, but right, like I said, right now we're doing a uh, call for submissions and they can send, people can send submissions to the Women's Center of Greater Lansing. Um, th- they're located on 1710 East Michigan Avenue in Lansing. And, um, and of course can... I've got a number for them as well. It's uh, 517-372-9163. That's right. Okay, cool. So yeah, I guess two great ways to, to submit what, what people have to offer. Right. So you've got the the words of hope and healing, uh, open call or open calls for submissions, right? And the the deadline I forgot to oh, add yeah. in is March first. Oh, okay. So coming up, right? And people who submit don't necessarily have to perform, although that would be great. And they don't they also don't necessarily have to submit their name in the program hmm. for the show, so they can be anonymous in the show. Although we like to have their name and phone number and things like that, so we can contact them to let them sure. know. Now, is this something you've done before, or is this a new a new thing? This is all brand new. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I um, quit my job back in September, and I've been doing things that I never really thought I could do before, hmm. like directing different shows. I did a show back in October as a fundraiser for the Women's Center, and apparently I did a good job, so they want me back to do more. <laughs> That's of always them. a good sign. Right. <laughs> so now, were you working with the Women's Center before September? Um, actually, I was in their job seekers support group a couple of years ago. They were absolutely instrumental in helping me to find a job, um, which I recently quit, like I said. Yeah, right. <laughs> kind of ironic, I suppose. Right. Um, and so I've been doing a little bit of volunteering over there, and they've been helping me to get these shows off the ground, and they've been fundraisers also for the Women's Center, which has been a great way for me to be able to give back. Mm. And you, you sound like you didn't expect to be working this involved with, with the Center. No, not exactly. Things just kind of came together. I, I knew I really wanted to direct the Vagina Monologues, which is another show that we're going to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been in the production three times at 
MSU. Hmm. And I really wanted to do this myself this year. And I knew that I could probably convince the people at the Women's Center to let me do that. So um, that's how I found out about the other show that we did in October. It's called A Memory, A Monologue, A Rant, and A Prayer. Oh, yeah. I, think, I believe we had someone again. on talk about that mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, so personally speaking, what, what sort of draws you into the, to, uh, the Women's Center? What, what is it appeals to you about it? Well, um, I guess I would say a couple of different things. Um, they, for one thing, they are really able, the, the co-directors, Manuela Cress and Cindy Allwood, mm-hmm. I have found have really been able to see the potential in women and to give them what they need to succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, they have seen so many women through all different kinds of situations, uh, through ending relationships, leaving abusive relationships through losing their job, uh, losing their home, hmm. different things like that. And they've really been able to connect people with resources and help them find support and provide support themselves. So they really are changing people's lives. Wow. Uh, it's got to be pretty rewarding then to work on for a group that, that you can say that about. Yeah, it really is. It's, it's, the the center's only been around for about three years now, but I have seen so much expansion in the place in the three hmm. years that it's been around, and so many women that come in and out who have been helped in so many different ways. It's it's I really do feel blessed to be part of it. That's very cool. Now you, you mentioned a moment ago the vagina monologues are also yes. coming up now for the one person that's never heard of the vagina monologues. <laughs> Why don't you go and give us an idea about what what that's all about? Um, it's a I guess it's usually used as a fundraiser, um, a show to um, help women, um, to give voices to women who have been victims of sexual violence or women maybe who never really talk about their sexuality or um, it's it's a really great show to um, educate the public, I think, to make sexuality something that's not so scary to people. Um, and I think it's also been very healing for people who, who've been in the show um, to bring their families, for example, to the show, maybe talk about things that they've never talked about before, talk about domestic violence or sexual violence, things like that. Um, and it's part of um, uh, a woman who wrote the show. Her name is Eve Ensler, and she started the V-Day movement um, and the the goal of the V-Day movement is to end violence against women, particularly sexual violence. Hmm. So it's like a, it sounds like a great way in order not just to you know to spread this message, but for the person who's you know involved with it to sort of open up. Oh, that- definitely. I definitely women have, in every single year that I have been involved, women have com- have come out completely changed. Hmm. And one of the one, most wonderful things I've thought we've done um, as a as a cast member um, every. Uh, like the last week just before we do the production, we've gotten together to talk about why the show was important to us. And, you know, you're with these women for two or three months, you know, having a good time, practicing different monologues, things like that. But those those nights were always so key to find out what exactly it was that made mm. this show so important to that woman and how it's changed her life. 
And it, and that was the thing that I really love about this show is that it has changed. It's changed my life, hmm. and it's changed other women's lives who've been involved in it. Now you, you mentioned that. Now, in what ways do they come out changed? I mean, do they are they just more open about things, or what's for myself personally? I guess I could say um, there have been monologues that I've heard, monologues that I've done that have been speaking out about domestic violence, sexual violence. And I grew up um, in a in a home. I'm I'm a survivor of domestic violence. So for me to speak out about it, to um, project an emotion into mm-hmm. something like that, has been really healing for me. I'm, t- and, I'm sure that's not something people just jump right into. I'm sure there's no, a, a way to step in. No, you know, and step I up to that. I had no idea that that's how it was going to be. I had no hmm. idea that it was going to be such a transformational experience for me. So, what is it that that makes the, that gets women to take that final step and then get involved with something like this? I mean, I'm, like I said, I mean, it's something you have to work up to. I would suppose. <laughs> you know, I mean, what what like for example, you mentioned you, that you were involved with something like this. What what sort of gave you that final push? Um, I think. When I initially got involved with with the show, I had always wanted to do some kind of acting, had never done it before, mm. and decided, well, you know, I guess I'll give this a try. There's no experience necessary to, mm. you know, to try out. So I thought I would just give it a try, see what happened, and I got in the show the first time, and mm. I kind of got hooked after that. No, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, actually, I saw the show in Washington, D.C. I was interning. Um, at a battered women's shelter out mm. in Washington, D.C. called My Sister's Place. And um, I got tickets, free tickets, for doing some volunteer work to see the Vagina Monologues for the first time, and I got to see Evans perform it. Oh, wow. So yeah. that that's actually... It's got to be a little inspiring, I would say. Oh, yeah, I saw her do it. I was like, wow, this show's amazing. <laughs> now, I would love to do what she does. Now, typically, it's 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 uh, various women performing different monologues mm-hmm. that, were, that are pre-written. Is that right? Yes, the monologues now, are all pre-written... Um, the MSU cast is a little bit different. It's usually pretty large, about 30 women or so, and oh. I'm probably going to have less than 10. Oh, okay. So now, but these are all, again, these aren't ones that are written by the women performing, and they're simply choosing right. ones that best suit them? Right. Yes, okay. the Vagina Monologues is something that's been pre-written, um, and I'll be doing the casting for that actually tomorrow night. Um, Words of Hope and Healing is something that has not been pre-written, and, and we're doing a uh, call for submissions for that. And actually, the hope for for me, at least, for Words of Hope and Healing is to give survivors an outlet, particularly people who may not have, who are not poets, or already established poets, or already established singers, songwriters, hmm. um, to give them an outlet to have a transformational experience for themselves. I guess it's, you know, plenty of good options for anyone who wants to get involved. You can pick something that's, that's already been written or you can choose to submit something original. Exactly. Very nice. Now, before we go, of course, you've got also got Loving the Me That I See coming up. Yes. Um, another thing that I've had the opportunity to do is some workshops over at the Women's Center. And Loving the Me That I See is a workshop on body image mm-hmm. and learning to value and appreciate the beauty within instead of focusing so much on outside appearances and also to help women to feel more self-accepting of Mm. their bodies would you say this is more of like a workshop yes okay it's an all-day workshop i've got a date scheduled in january actually this saturday at the women's center from 10 to 4 i believe okay and then um there's another date in march march 1st okay yeah that's what i've got down Uh, the 19th and then march 1st yes very nice and 
more information can be found on the website by Googling the Women's Center. It's it's actually kind of a long website, right. but if you just Google the Women's Center of Greater Lansing, it'll Yeah, it's the first right one up. that popped right up for me when right. I was looking for it. So yeah, certainly. So what would you say is, is the appeal for, for this uh, for this workshop? I mean we've gone over, you know, the reasons behind the other two that you're that you're putting on, but what's what sort of motivated you for this one? Uh, what motivated me for this particular workshop is um, knowing that I want to be more comfortable in my skin, and I've worked pretty diligently at, at that. And things like the vagina monologues have probably definitely helped me mm. with that. Um, and I just have seen with a lot of women that they um, lack an appreciation for themselves, and they're they can be tend to be really focused on what everybody else thinks that they should look like or how they should be instead of just letting themselves feel beautiful the way they are and i think probably the most beautiful women that i've seen are women who just know that they're beautiful and they don't really care what anybody else thinks yeah now is there a, would you say that there's a i mean not to stereotype but is there a certain group of women that you see that uh is afflicted with this this negative body image more you know age or anything like that you know, Does it affect I, everybody? I don't really know. I, I guess I would say that it would probably be across the gamut. I mean, there's mm. teenagers, you know, teenagers, I guess I would say, are particularly impacted by media. Um, and mm. those teenage years are really formative in people's self-image. Sure. Or it can be formative. Um but I mean, I've talked to women of all different ages, and and every woman seems to have a different story. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's true. I was just thinking about it. You know, like the, the formative years, like you mentioned, even going on and you know, past college young sure. professionals, you know, moms, everybody. Sure. I mean, that that definitely affects everybody. Right. I think. And then going through changes in life in your forties and fifties and things sure. like that, things sure, can sure. come up. Very nice. Well, so you've got uh, Words of Hope and Healing, the the, uh, the deadline for submissions, March 1st. Right. All right. And then, of course, that'll be going on in the, the uh, early days of April, April 3rd, and East Lansing, April 4th, over in Lansing. Uh, it's in conjunction with Take Back the Night. Is that now? Is that that's on the 8th, you said? Yes. Take Back the Night? Okay. So you got a whole whole week of events going on. That'll be a busy week for you. Well, I'm luckily, I'm not in charge of Take Back the Night. There's another oh, okay. group that's in charge of that, but I'm able to supplement with a show. Very nice. And then, of course, the Vagina Monologues. I, what was the date on that one? I didn't catch that. The 28th, uh, Friday the 28th, and Saturday the 29th of March. Okay. And we don't have a location for that just yet, but we are hoping to do it in Old Town. But like I said, the website will have more information and calling sure. the Women's Center. As it develops, of course. Exactly. <laughs> and then, mm-hmm. then finally, uh, Loving the Me that I See uh, coming up. It's Now, it's this Saturday, isn't this it? This Saturday. All right. Saturday, January 19th. And again, you'll be doing it Saturday, March 1st uh, from 10 until 4. Uh, pre-registration is required on that one. Is that right? Yes. All right. And so, of course, the number for that, 517-372-9163. So, uh, Maria, thanks so much for, for coming Thank by and so telling us everything really that's going on. It. Yeah, I mean, you've got a full plate, so I'm glad we could uh, get some information out for you. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, again, the the... The website, uh, by Googling Greater Lansing Women's Center, you can find it right away. Uh, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be back with more Impact Exposure in just a moment. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. 
Attention shoppers, if anyone is missing a rather plump set of love handles, please come to the customer service counter and claim them. The ample love handles were lost in the produce department where their former owner had purchased fruits and veggies to munch on during the big game. Thank you and have a good day. Small step number 81, snack on fruits and veggies. It's just one of the many small steps you can take to get healthy. Learn more at www.smallstep.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Saturday nights from 8 p.m. until 2 a.m., tune into the cultural vibe to hear the best in both local and national hip-hop, plus live mixing on the ones and twos. Only on Impact Prime Time. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. And we are back with Impact Exposure. Uh, we were just speaking with Maria from the uh, Greater Lansing Women's Center, talking about all the great events that they've got coming up. Again, for more information on that, you can call 517-372-9163. Or, of course, uh, our uh, episode tonight will be podcast on the uh, on the Impact website at impact89fm.org. Uh, our last guest for the evening, uh, Peter from Scene Metrospace, has decided to stop by and tell us about uh, the exhibit that uh, you guys are working on. Uh, go ahead and tell us what uh, what you've got on tap for everybody. Okay. It's called Return to Sender, an exhibit of male art, and uh, it's running through February 24th, and it details the phenomenon of male art, art that's traveled by post through the mail um, since about the 1950s. A lot of people uh, are familiar with Ray Johnson. He's probably the most famous male artist artist with his film uh, How to Draw a Bunny, but we probably have the second most famous male artist on our wall right now, who is Ryosuke Cohen from Japan. Mm. Um, and that's been an interesting aspect of this show, as it's drawn in pieces from very far away, Uruguay, Italy, wow. places like that. Um, and though many of them are small, many of them are designed to be handled by machinery and things like that, uh, they're still very uh, provocative art pieces. So now, what would you say qualifies as male art? I'm imagining postcards, but I'm sure there's something else involved in that as well. Yeah, actually, po- there's a great deal of postcard art. Um, there's also there's all kinds of branches of male art. There's everything from decorated packages and envelopes. Um, some of them will produce fake postage, hmm. uh, not like counterfeit postage, but it's you know it's designed to sort of mock the idea of stamping. And, <laughs> and uh, there's uh, people will send pieces that can then be assembled. Um, different things like that. It's it's a very wide open art form um, that uh, loosely falls kind of into the the idea of culture jamming. So now, what what is the motivation for for artists who want to work in this sort of medium? I think the biggest motivation is that it's a two way art form. Uh, a lot of artists see themselves as you make a piece of art, you present it to the world, the world looks at it. Um, whereas with postal art or mail art, there's that chance for interacting. Um, you can do community-based pieces. You can send out you know, a bunch of pieces of mail asking people to send you back a rubber stamp or something hmm. like that. And um, so it creates a two-way uh, communication between artist and viewer. So when, so when our, an artist makes a piece of mail art, are they then mailing it out? What, where, where does it go after its creation? Frequently, it is mailed out. Um, they will kind of follow the sort of chain letter format. Hmm. Um, sometimes it's given to somebody to mail back to them. Um, sometimes there is an interchange set up. There's a couple artists in this show who sent things back and forth and modified them or, or changed them. 
um, kind of like the telephone game where you're little, where you keep just <laughs> adding on to something. Nice. And so now, I, of course, the question begs to be asked, who are they mailing these things to? Is it other fellow artists? Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's complete strangers. Um, there is a woman in the show named Claire Fox who takes a picture of her living room or her kitchen just before she moves and then mails it back to the residents hmm. um, just with like some small note on the back. And uh, other artists just mail them to random strangers. I've actually gotten quite a few postcards since this show was announced from out of the blue. Hmm. And some of them have been really like beautiful and artistic and some have been really silly and weird. <laughs> <laughs> now I have to imagine there's there's uh, an, an opportunity for, for for irony with this because of course we've all seen really tacky postcards. I mean, is there is there a part of that in there or are these more sort of avant-garde or what's the what's the general theme of, of the submissions? A lot of them seem to be kind of addressing the whole idea of um, strangers being being the postal service handling like uh, your something that you made, you know, some sort of piece of personal data or some sort of sensitive financial information or something <laughs> like that. And that whole idea of transporting something through someone else who, who you may really not know, who's just kind of an abstraction to you. Hmm. I guess that really is like submitting it to the world then. I mean, if it's, mm -hmm. you know... The United States Postal Service or whoever else. I mean, it's really going out there. Mm -hmm. So now this is, it, we were talking about this just before, you know, during the break, you know, where, where does an idea like this come from? It's a very unique idea. Um, according to Wikipedia, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it emerged from the uh, Dada movement in art, which was in the twenties and thirties and uh, the Fluxus movement. And, and both of them are kind of like outgrowths of surrealism. Hmm. Um, the idea of taking ready-made objects that aren't intended to be art and presenting them as art. Uh, and then with uh, the, the Postal Service really kind of reaching its potential in the early 20th century, people decided to use that as a vehicle for art or that as actually um, a medium for art, um, adding all those postmarks and wrinkles and stamps and um, barcodes and things in random, uncomposed places and, and letting that become part of the art. Hmm. Yeah, and I, would, I was just thinking about this, too, that, you know, with a, with a postcard, of course, it's just, you know, typically a, a flat, glossy image. But then, of course, you're right. There is that, that texture on there that you get, you know, same thing like with if it's just a typical painting, you still get texture with it. I would have to assume the same thing is, is true for mail art. Yeah, and I think um, a lot of it is kind of based on some 20th century ideas of uh, kind of an anti-aesthetic uh, removing the idea of beauty from art, that art doesn't have to be beautiful. It can be somewhat uh, somewhat unexpected and mm. random and have rough edges. Um, yeah. th that seems to be one idea that plays in it to me. And you mentioned that you've got uh, people have been submitting things from you know far-flung places how, how do they find out about this particular show and how, how are you are you putting out for display the things that they're submitting? Yeah, actually, I've been adding postcards as we get them, um, just kind of building up around seams and corners in the wall. Uh, I don't exactly know how everybody learned about it. I'm I'm getting the the uh, the feeling that there's a sort of a, a network of postal artists, mm -hmm. and that once one finds out, they they're a community and uh, they spread the word amongst themselves, um, because though I know we put out calls for entries on things like. Michigan Art Serve and, and some things like that. 
we're getting things from really far away. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned uh, Uruguay. I mean, it's yeah. pretty surprising. Yeah, that one totally out of the blue. Um, it's an artist called uh, Clemente Pedin from Uruguay, uh, and it's sort of a, a self-made postcard with handmade stamps and stickers and uh, fraternal greetings and wow. kind of different worker statements on it. Now, is it, uh, I mean, the the typical postcard that I'm used to getting is just, you know, a, a scenic shot of, you know, wherever the person's at. Is is that typical for these uh, submissions, or are they just pretty much everything you can think of? Some of them are hand-painted. Um, one that arrived is like this very fancy piece of dyeing and embroidery. Hmm. Um, some are collaged. Uh, some are stencils. Just um, some people cut out pieces of cereal box and stenciled them and sent them back and forth to each other. Uh, So the materials seem to be really kind of um, at-hand materials, you know, not necessarily what we would think of as, like, art materials, you know, uh, oil paints and things like that. It's more like very sturdy, commonplace materials. Hmm. Sort of a do-it-yourself kind of uh, atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now, do the the folks that work on these, the artists that are making male art, is that usually their stock and trade, or do they, is this just one facet of other of a bigger style that they're in? There are a couple that um, I think uh, male art is their main art form. Uh, Ryosuke Cohen, who I mentioned earlier, is um, Japanese postal artist who's been working for almost the last thirty years mm-hmm. on this uh, project called. Uh, he calls them brain cells, sends out mass, e- uh, mass not emails, <laughs> mass <laughs> mailings to uh, people around the world, asking them to make him a two-inch by three-inch stamp and send it back to him. And then he stamps these huge sheets of paper and mails them back to all the people that uh, sent them to him with this hmm. whole conglomeration of hundreds of different stamps um, from all over the world. And so those are pretty interesting, and we have a couple of the brain cell pieces um, that he collaborated on with an artist from Bay City named Michael Mosher in the show. Interesting, yeah. I mean, you mentioned this earlier that you said there's a community that's that's sort of grown up around this this male art movement, and I'd have to assume that sort of the nature of it, mailing to all these different you know artists among artists, and and you mentioned the woman who you know takes a photo of her of her living room and mails it to the residents. I'm sure that it's something that you really have to continue to create that 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 community. You know, you have to make it. You have to continue to to work in this medium in order to maintain that community. Yeah, I would think, especially with the the kind of replacement of mailing letters uh, with emails. You know, I used to uh, write letters back and forth to people all the time, and now I can't remember the last time I wrote a personal yeah, letter. Me either. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes me kind of sad because it's really fun to get letters, and I think that a lot of these artists are kind of touching on that. You know, getting a surprise in the mail, not knowing what's necessarily mm. in there. And if it's not just a letter or a bill or something, it's <laughs> some piece of art, then, you know, that just adds one more layer of mystery to it. Certainly. And in fact, I was I was disappointed today that my two roommates got packages from Amazon or somewhere and, you know, my name was not on them. I, but you're right. There is that, uh, you know, there is that element of like surprise and wonder about what's inside. And you know, if it is a postcard, if it is a letter, that's, you know, how much more personal, I would assume, even if you may not know the artist that's sending it to you. Mm-hmm. So now, uh, you know, what what sort of, we were talking about the community here uh, that, that's involved with this male art. What, you said you were kind of surprised at the, the reception that this had gotten from, from other artists, places that you didn't expect to get them from. Um, when you initially started this, this, uh, this you know, this exhibit, 
did you have a few that were in mind, like, oh, I'd like to get some pieces from these folks, and then you all of a sudden got them from the rest, or how did that sort of develop? I did have a couple people in mind. Um, There's a former Lansing area resident, Jenny Mick, who moved to Kansas City to go to the uh, Kansas City Art Institute. And so I had talked to her about recruiting some people from um, from the Art Institute. Uh, I had talked to one, one or two other people that I know that, that lived you know, far away in my mind, you know, mm-hmm. like northern Michigan or something. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the rest of them found us, um, which you know, typically seems to be about 50-50. We'll, we'll seek mm-hmm. out about 50% of the artists, and the other half will find us through whatever means. Nice. Now, uh, we've been talking a lot about the sort of the postcard side of things, but you also mentioned that there's uh, packaging that, that people work on. I mean, is this larger packages, like our, sort of a wrap among or over a uh, over something mysterious inside, or what, what's that about? Yeah, uh, in, in one case, there's a, an artist, Michael Crosby, who decorates large boxes and then ships them to his friends. Um, and uh, in another case where people are making large pieces, um, John Lindenmeyer, who's another local artist, assembled a large piece out, out of all business reply cards. Hmm. And so it's it's actually a landscape collaged out of the little barcodes and things like that. So Wow. Um, a few of the larger pieces have taken forms like that. Oh, some, really, some really creative stuff. And this is already going on, right? This, this started on the 11th? Yep, started on the 11th um, with a public reception staying up through the 24th. Um, we've got a couple of uh, music events happening during that time, as well as a casting call for some theater that we're going to do in March. Excellent. Of course, all that info can be found at scenemetrospace.com. Your hours, I'm going to throw those out there just so people know, uh, Thursday 2 to 5 p.m., Friday 2 to 9 p.m., Saturday 2 to 9 p.m., and uh, Sunday noon until 4. Um, Peter, thanks so much for coming by and telling us about this uh, really interesting exhibit. Thank you. Thanks right. for having me. You bet. And uh, that's going to do it for us here at Impact Exposure. Uh, we're going to switch things over to uh, Progressive, Progressive Torch and Twang. Excuse me. Fantastic, fantastic specialty show we've got here on the Impact. So stay tuned for that. Uh, I'm Wes Holing. I'm going to uh, say goodbye for now. We'll be back, of course, next Tuesday with uh, Sexposure. So you want to stay tuned for that. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening to this evening's Exposure, only on 88.9 The Impact.